1: Welcome back to the Blitz podcast. Week 14 we are entering. Unbelievable. Harley, week 14.
0: It's almost Christmas. It's week 14. And what that means is for season-long players, this is basically the last week before you enter your fantasy playoffs. Now, that's going to be a crazy, crazy thought when you think about the fact that there are six teams on by.
1: <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Like, oh, six. last <laughs> week the Scott Fish Bowl. I've been I've been doing well. I'm in the playoffs, and two of my big buys last week. There's only two teams on buy, right? And of course, I got to get hit with it. James Conner and Deontay Foreman. So oh, now, ouch. Yeah, this week I'm actually in good shape. Believe it or not, I don't know. I must not have any of the six teams on on my team. But um, yeah, six teams on a buy in week 14 is just ugly. The better thing to look at it though is that. Hey, there's actually six, no, five weeks left because we go 18 weeks this year.
0: Well, and another way to look at it is that the six teams that are on by aren't exactly offensive superstars here. You've got, uh, uh the saints captain by Andy Dalton. You've got Atlanta that's being led by Marcus Mariota. You've got green Bay, which is being led by the shell of Aaron Rodgers. uh, Chicago w- with a, obviously a loss with Justin Fields, uh, coming back, but, uh, He's not a hundred percent, but still, I mean that's like the biggest name so far. Washington, you're losing out on Taylor Heineke's led offense. And Indianapolis, you're losing out on Matt Ryan. I'm probably and Sam Ellinger. That might actually. be a positive uh, by not being able to play him this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Um
0: That was that was an ugly, ugly fourth quarter last night. I don't know how much he stayed up for, but uh, the whole it was horrid
1: thing. The whole thing. The whole thing. Um yeah, I mean, nobody's going to believe you if you say, you know, that game was twenty-one to nineteen. You know, ten years from now, you got a grandkid on your lap or a, a nephew or niece. With Twelve or minutes to go. Twelve minutes to go. That game was twenty-one to nineteen, and the Colts had them right where they wanted them. Yeah, no, um, that was just. I'm well, really... you
0: think that Matt Ryan had experience with losing huge leads in the second half, though? So.
1: Oh God, you went there. I um, had to go there. It, it just was – I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that before. Um, and it
0: was – it, it was like I wanted to cue up the Benny Hill music here.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was like, look, I will give the Cowboys credit. <clears throat> They've got one heck of a defense. They did a great job. But yep. you don't do that all on your own. Like, the, But they
0: were doing it with, like, third-string cornerbacks out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Colts are – they're complicit in that. It, it takes two to <clears throat> tango that badly. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, you, you've got the entire crowd – all chanting for Zeke to get hit, to get fed and get his touchdown. So they basically just oblige and let Zeke score. And then they bring in their third string running back, and he scores.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here, be Mr. Contrarian. <sighs> what about that Cowboys defense giving up 19 points to that team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, how'd that happen? You can't have those kind of mental well, breakdowns.
0: Well, one of the touchdowns basically uh, was what we've always talked about when talking about the Dallas Cowboys defense. Trayvon Diggs is an interception machine, but he also gets burnt a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was that piece of toast that gets stuck down in the in the toaster on that exactly. play. Exactly. There was like it was the fire was coming out. He was so burnt. Izell Jenkins, for any Philly fans out there from back in the day, understand? Toast. That was Izell's nickname. Toast.
0: Yeah, so obviously uh, he's he's a Pro Bowl-level cornerback because of all the interceptions, and uh, he can shut down a person. I mean, he's not on the level of, well, like the Philadelphia Eagles with guys like Darius Slay and whatnot. Uh, He's not on that level yet, but he can shut people down, at least, or limit them, but he does make those occasional just (laughs) boneheaded
1: plays. He's biting because he's he's guessing and guessing's not good. Anyway, exactly. Yeah, I mean there were some there was some shoddy quarterback play this week, and then there was some injuries. Oh, it's gonna be
0: some even shoddier quarterback play this coming week. Oh goodness,
1: <laughs> uh, I feel very fortunate in Scott Fishbowl to have a contingent of Justin Fields who was um, he played, but he was he was you know coming off injury, so I didn't play him, and he's off this week as well as Geno Smith, who's been fantastic this year. Maybe not as fantastic fantasy-wise, but he's been fantastic this year. And then maybe the one quarterback that's been better is Jalen Hurts. Um, so I've been pretty fortunate in Scott Fishbowl this year. Yeah. Well, I'll tell I mean, you
0: what. Again, you're not, really, you're not really talking about a, a plethora of superstar quarterbacks. I mean, to get those guys, you didn't have to reach for them in the first round. I mean, maybe Hurts. but
1: No, I, I don't think I took Hurts in the first round. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'd have to go back and check.
0: I think In my draft, there was 20 quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds.
1: (laughs) Maybe I did take him in the first. No, there's no way I took him in the first round. Just not possible. That's not me. I'm going to check. I'm going to check while I do this. I'm going to throw it over to you for this week's Blitz Podcast News, and I'll check.
0: Thank you, Steve. Lamar Jackson left last Sunday's game with a knee sprain. And Tyler Huntley immediately stepped in and did his best Jackson impersonation. And, of course, by that, I mean that Huntley failed to throw a single freaking passing touchdown while still managing to lead the team in every single rushing category. (laughs) The San Francisco 49ers also lost their quarterback this past weekend, in his case, to a broken foot. Jimmy Garoppolo was already playing as a replacement for original starter Trey Lance, who is also out for the year with a major injury. After the Lance injury, the Niners were left with only 2022 Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy behind Garoppolo. Purdy was forced into action Sunday and actually looked pretty good. That said, he will never be quite as Purdy as GQ coverboy Garoppolo. (laughs) The Carolina Panthers have decided to release Baker Mayfield. At least until waivers have been run, Mayfield will be jobless. What can I say? I just seriously hope that Progressive doesn't cancel his insurance policy. (laughs) The Rams also have some quarterback injury news as backup turns starter John Wolford injured his neck on Sunday. With Matthew Stafford officially done for the year with a spinal contusion... The team is now down to Bryce Perkins as their likely starter this Thursday versus the Raiders. Against the Raiders, and with six teams on by, and with all the other quarterback issues in the league right now, don't be shocked if we rank Perkins as a top 12 quarterback this week. Yes, folks, it is that bad. (laughs) And finally, rounding out our quarterback-centric news for this week, Denver Media is reporting that Russell Wilson was not hurt in Sunday's game. They are, however, wishing that he was. <laughs> this has been your QB centric BPN news update.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, my favorite subject quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> so Scott, Ta- B- talk
0: about zero quarterbacks. I mean, we literally are at the zero quarterback level right now where yeah, most of these quarterbacks are, frankly, zeros.
1: For the most part. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to put the theory to its test then, right? Um, talk about regret. Um, I, I I drafted Tyler Huntley in Scott Fishbowl, probably my last pick or next to last pick. And I rostered him all year long. I dropped him this week to pick up a kicker to start.
0: Well, you weren't alone in that. I actually drafted Tyler Huntley, too, in Scott Fishbowl as one of the five quarterbacks I took all in round 10 or later. Now, this is important, so I got my five quarterbacks in rounds 10 or later, but there were 20 overall quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds of my particular draft. Yikes. <laughs> so somehow I've managed to survive all season with Geno Smith and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I picked up Cooper Rush for a while. I picked up Andy Dalton. Bouncing around with guys, Sam Darnold. I've actually, I think I've started every single guy who has played for Carolina at some point, including PJ Walker, Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. Uh, But now I'm at the point where I'm down to uh, being much, much thinner at the position. I had to start Andy Dalton tonight along with Geno Smith this week. And uh, I do have Kyle Ellen on my bench who will not be starting anytime soon. And uh, again, I also dropped. Huntley. I I didn't wait this long. I I dropped Huntley, I believe around week seven because I needed wide receiver help that particular week. But, uh, no, I feel you. I mean, Tyler Huntley, uh, from a daily fantasy standpoint on the main slate, he's the 13th highest priced guy on the board.
1: Yeah. So in my Scott fishbowl draft in the last six rounds, I drafted Jacoby Brissett, Geno Smith and Tyler Huntley with my last pick. Um, I've started Geno Smith quite a bit this year. Um, As you
0: should have. He's been very, very good, including in in a tough matchup last week.
1: Yeah. and so, But my top two drafted quarterbacks was Jalen Hurts, as we discussed earlier, and Justin Fields. Um, I did not take Jalen Hurts in the first round. I knew I couldn't do that. Um, I took Justin Jefferson with the 10th overall pick in my Scott Fishbowl draft. And then, after I took Hurts, coming back, I grabbed... Not Justin Fields, but I grabbed Darren Disappointment Waller. God forbid if he'd have done something this year. Um, I'm not sure what my team would look like, quite honestly. And then I grabbed Justin Well, your,
0: your team is sitting pretty good right now. Last we looked, you were, what, a the 100s uh, in the second round of the playoffs?
1: 76, actually, going into tonight's game.
0: You got 76 trombones behind you there.
1: Yep. Um and then I'm not
0: going to talk about where I fell to this week but I'm still technically alive so well, I guess that's Yeah, as long as, long as you're
1: in the top what 1200 1300 then you're good cuz you get on to the next week. Yeah.
0: And I, I, I survived the bad week. So if I can survive this bad week and I, I do have to deal with the fact that Jonathan Taylor is going to be on bye next week. That's not going to help me but uh yeah. Oh that I, David Montgomery's on a bye also so I'll be down two of my big four running backs but uh, otherwise I get back uh couple more people that were unhealthy and or on by this week. Ah, got to survive one more week, I think.
1: Yeah, I I was, like I said, I was down both James Conner and, and Deontay Foreman. With them in, and if I don't make the bad choice of benching Alec Pierce like I did, didn't do last week and did this week instead, I'm looking at I probably would have broke the top 50 from a point standpoint. I actually
0: so. feel pretty good because I get to take Deontay Foreman, who is my fifth running back, and plug him in this week in go. place of one of those two
1: and he doesn't have that bad of a matchup um, but yeah, he
0: actually it's a pretty good matchup
1: 1200 1200 people pat go through and that's all you need because yeah you you don't it's it's not cumulative right but you do nope. continue to your average goes up so you, everybody's got a shot basically um, but then yeah week four for those that don't know so week round one 1500 teams made the playoffs right and then yes. 1200 of us 1,200 people went forward, I believe it was, right?
0: Yes, that's correct. 15, no,
1: 1,500 and 1,350 advanced. Then, okay, 1,200 is the next level. Yep, yeah, and then in, in week two, it's 1,350. You're playing 1,200 advanced. When you get to week three, then, which is what we're going into. If my computer will hurry up here. It's 1,200 teams in the top 1,000 make it, okay? Um, mm. And then week four... Week after next. Now this is at least nobody's on a buy that week, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of what Scott was aiming for, is he didn't want the yeah. major cut to come until after these week fourteen bipocalypse.
1: And in week four, it takes a thousand teams, only five hundred move on. And then to get into the semis I think that's
0: probably where I'm doomed.
1: And then in the semis, I'll hold my finger I'll cross my fingers and hold my breath and see if I can be lucky. The semis is five hundred teams down to thirty. <laughs> That's that's tough, too. So week four will be interesting. And then, of course, the finals are the finals, um, the top 30 teams and the top went top team wins. So we'll see what happens. It'll be fun. It's been fun. It's been a good season. I've had enough bad ones. It's been a good season. Let's talk about today. What are we going to do today? Um, I think we're going to talk top 12 wide receivers for next year. Two early wide receivers to draft, right?
0: Yeah. And again, this is based on redraft format PPR.
1: What else is there?
0: Well, there's Dynasty, there's half PPR, oh,
1: there's okay. no yeah, yeah. PPR, there's... I, I, forget uh, that, no non-PPR, <laughs> no, PPR, 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 PPR. Okay, you're right, Dynasty, yes. And I,
0: I, I'm no. actually in one league still that I've been in for like 30 plus years that does not have PPR, uh, and they still require a kicker in defense.
1: Uh, well, if you've been in it long enough, then you're in it for, for the right reasons and not playing for the wrong reasons, I guess. Um,
0: exactly. It, it's mainly, though, that the uh, the two commissioners are who are commissioners for life are old fuddy-duddies that don't like changing
1: the rules. Yeah. You should get everybody – like get a, get a quorum together and just act like you guys are going to overthrow them and, and act like you want to make that change or you're going to dissolve the league and then just say, ah, oh, we got you April Fool's late.
0: It, it, it's comical that you chose that particular phrase because the league actually started uh, where – Nine of the current 12 franchises and where most of the current uh, most of the franchises that were part of it were all originally employees at a firm here in Minnesota called Quorum.
1: Oh, how about that? That's pretty Exactly. Cool. That is funny, actually. <laughs> all right. So we're going to do that. We're going to do top 12 redraft PPR wide receivers. And then we'll follow that up with our daily DFS payups, stayaways and value plays. But before we get started... Harley's going to set the over-under on total number of wide receivers we're going to match on. And then how many we're going to match on in the exact same spot.
0: We're going to have 10 of the same overall. And two in the same spot.
1: (sighs) 10 is a push, so I'm going to take the over. I'm setting the big middle here you sure did and two in the same spot this that's the hard part I'm going to take the over I'm, I feel like I'm an over kind of guy tonight so okay. oh, I told you I was going to look at who I drafted first in, in Scott Fishbowl and I told you it was Justin Jefferson right yes guess what Justin Jefferson is my number one wide receiver for next year too okay just don't want that's to a get a
0: good me. starting point I guess
1: yeah we'll just start off that's what my number one is what's your number one
0: Uh, My number one, I'm going to go with someone a little bit older, and that's Devontae Adams. Adams is currently on a pace to obliterate all of his personal career highs, despite no longer having Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. He's going to get the number one seed this time only because he is a bigger touchdown producer than the other top wide receivers
1: on the board. So I considered four of my top five for the top overall position. Okay. Mm-hmm. Only one of them I, I did not decide. Okay, I don't think he, I like. He's not number one. He's not number one overall to me. But Devontae Adams was somebody in that decision making process. However, I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback for him. Is he going to get the ghost of Christmas past? Aaron Rodgers throwing to him again? Will it be David <laughs> Carr? Derek David Derek. Will it be Carr? Um, will it be I don't know. Um, Justin Fields. What, 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 I was going
0: to say, I don't, I don't know what Carr's uh, contract status is there, but I believe Adams is under contract for next what, season.
1: What, will it be Baker Mayfield? Like, I, yeah. I just don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable knowing who his quarterback's going to be next year. And mm-hmm. because of that, I didn't want to put him at one. And that's why I didn't put him at two. And that's why I didn't put him at three. I probably could have put him at four, but I landed him at five.
0: I personally believe it's going to be Adams and Carr, and they're going to have another great season next season. But, no, I I can understand what you're saying.
1: Okay. All right, so who do you have at number two? Number
0: two. Uh, Number two is Tyreek Hill. Hill has completely answered his critics' questions regarding how he would perform without Patrick Mahomes. I'd like to see him step up the touchdowns a little bit. He doesn't have a ton of them this year, but he's leading the league in receptions and receiving yards. Uh, he's, I think he's top three in targets this season. And, again, he's doing that all with a quarterback that is, again, nowhere near as good as the quarterback he had last season. Now, that just says to me that he is going to be an elite, matchup-proof wide receiver that you can play any given week. And, again, I don't see Tua getting worse next season. I think that he's only going to grow his skill as he continues to develop in the league.
1: So... I don't have a, I have a hard time not agreeing with that because I considered Hill as my number one overall. Um, but I didn't have him at one. I didn't have him at two. I have him at three. And that's not any slight on Tyreek Hill. For me, after JJ, after I placed JJ, it comes down to my number two pick, which is Stefan Diggs, right? And I, then I look at Tyreek yeah. Hill. And I looked at each quarterback situation, and while I don't dislike Tua, I like Josh Allen just a little bit better. So that, for me, was the tiebreaker in putting putting Diggs at number two behind J.J. and Hill at number three behind Diggs.
0: Okay. Well, you've already mentioned my number three, and that's Justin Jefferson. Jefferson may actually end up leading the league in receiving yards this season and next season, for all I know. But one thing, he needs to be more consistent with his touchdowns to jump ahead of Tyreek and Adams, in, in my mindset at least. Uh, he's been very hit or miss on touchdowns this season. He, he went six weeks without a single touchdown. Now, part of that is, was just game script. But he's also uh, – teams are taking him out of some games with uh, strategies like hit, beating him up at the line of scrimmage and double-teaming him and bracketing him. So when you've got that sort of situation – Yes, he has those huge boom games, but he's also had a couple of busters this year. Yeah. And, I I, I mean, I look at Tyreek and I look at Devontae. Devontae had one bust game this season out of all of his. Tyreek has had one bust game all season. Jefferson has had four or five.
1: Fair. That's fair. Um, that's very fair, honestly. Um, okay, so you have, number one, Devontae Adams. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Number three, Justin Jefferson. Yes. I have J.J. Diggs-Hill, and we know I have Adams at five. At number four, I have a guy that he he's the only one that I said I didn't consider for being number one overall, right? Um, and that's Jamar Chase. I think that a lot of people may sleep on him a little bit right now just because he missed some time with that injury. But he is still absolutely a top-five wide receiver to look at, in my mind, um, for next year. And he's got a solid quarterback okay, play.
0: Um- I was going to say, uh, Chase is not my number four, but I do have him at number six. Okay. Do uh, you actually believe there was a time just two seasons ago where there was a college football team that had both Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson playing receiver at the same time? That's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, much like J.J., though, Chase has had some dud yardage games over his first two seasons as he shared targets with T. Higgins and... The tight ends and Tyler Boyd there. Uh, now, I- I'm afraid that that's always going to kind of keep him in this range rather than catapult him into that top three tier. Now, I could see maybe putting him at four, maybe putting him at five. I- I- I've got him at six just because I don't see a huge drop off with T. Higgins next season. And you know what? Again, they've got a great quarterback. They've actually got his college quarterback throwing right. him the ball, which is nice. Uh, and let's look at this way when you compare chase to Jefferson, uh you look at the quarterbacks, you look at cousins, you look at Burrow. I kind of like Burrow a little bit more than I like cousins from a from a passing consistency standpoint,
1: yeah, you know what that's actually a good point that I probably didn't put enough into my thought process because also, I think that Burrow was slowed a little bit at the beginning of the year due to his um surgery he had on was it appendicitis or something like that yep, so. Yeah, uh, that's why we said these are the two early rankings. I I can reserve the right to change my mind for next year.
0: So I've got Chase at six, but back to my number four. Uh, my number four is a guy who isn't playing right now. Okay. That's Cooper Kupp. Uh, Cup was his usual target hog self before his injury this season. He was trailing only Tyreek in targets the first nine weeks before he got hurt. The only concern here will be, is Matthew Stafford going to be able to recover from his spinal injury to play Decent or even just to play at all again, in which case we don't know what the quarterback situation is there. Obviously they're not going to be able to draft a high quarterback because they traded their third overall likely third overall pick to Detroit uh, in this coming year's draft, but they may go out and sign a veteran. And again, Coop was just a beast and I mean, he, he's wasn't afraid to go across the middle. He wasn't afraid to go deep. He just has far, far too much talent to drop outside of the top five next season, no matter who's at quarterback there.
1: So he actually winds up. Okay. So we've got your top five now, right? Actually, we have your, uh,
0: no, actually we don't have my number five yet.
1: That's right. You didn't get, you just, didn't you say cup oh, cups, your four. Okay. Cups my four. Who's your number five?
0: My number five is AJ Brown. Okay. Oh man. Was I wrong this off season about Jalen hurts. Uh, he's going to be a stud on the ground and through the air. Let's just, I, I, I admit I was wrong. My bad. Uh, Brown will still have to share his workload going forward with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard once he comes back from his injury. But the TD upside is so sweet there with Brown. Any given week, you can see a two or three touchdown game. Uh, he actually could move up the ladder even into the top three or four if he can finish out this season and post an injury-free season, something that he hasn't had in, during his short first time, uh, first couple of years of Tennessee.
1: So I love the enthusiasm about A.J. Brown as an Eagles fan. But I'm going to recap. Your top six actually would be Devontae Adams, followed by Diggs, followed by. Nope. No, I'm sorry. Hill, followed by JJ, followed by Cup, followed by AJ Brown, followed by Chase. Yes. Okay. And mine is JJ, followed by Diggs, followed by Hill, followed by Chase, followed by Adams. And at number six, I have Cup. And you nailed exactly the reason why I have him at six. It's. There's just quarterback questions I wasn't sure about. And I was like, I can't push him down any further because with trash, he still would probably do well. Um,
0: but it's just, he has done well with trash before there. <laughs>
1: fair, fair point. Um, but I just felt that if I'm going to put a guy, if I'm putting somebody above somebody this high, and look, you can't go wrong with any of these guys. That's, I mean, no, think about that. Not this. at all. In any given year in the past, if we said, okay, here's what you're getting as your wide receiver one, if you take him off the board, you'd be like, yep, taking it. And we're six players in and can say that. So it's no small feat that that say that he's my six, honestly, because the six is almost the equivalent of a one in years past.
0: When we get to slide down to number seven, for me and my number seven was as high, I believe, as number two on your team, and that's Stefan Diggs. Diggs' talent is comparable to that of Cups in terms of his ability to go across the middle of the field. He's also the same age as Cups. So, again, if you're talking about from a dynasty standpoint, which we aren't, Uh, The biggest difference between Diggs is that he has a younger, more talented, and obviously a healthy quarterback in Josh Allen. Well, except for maybe that whole shoulder thing. But, you know what, this is also countered with the fact that Diggs has a whole bunch of other weapons to share touches with there in the passing game. Well, Cup is basically all that Los Angeles has. Uh, Plus, you know, Diggs plays half of his games in Buffalo where, I mean, even as early as September, weather could be an issue there any given Sunday, so... Again, not a huge factor with Diggs because he can play and catch the ball tough in in cold weather, but again, I, I kind of have Diggs and Cup in that same tier there, just outside my uh, just outside my top three. Uh, either one uh, could potentially move up. I just I, I just have more faith in Cup. A little bit more faith in Cup there.
1: Hey, imagine. Remember, we said this last week, I think, or maybe it was week four. I don't know, but we said that I think that the place to be next year is going to be like in that seven through ten range. I think it was. Yep. Imagine getting two of these guys. These are
0: all guys you're going to be able to get in the top of the second round.
1: Yeah. You, you're going to, what I'm saying is you're, you'd be able to double up if you wanted to. You could take one of these guys oh, yeah. and get the other one coming back as a start next year. Um, so at number seven probably the first spot where you're going to say, oh, I don't have him in my top 12, or he's pretty well down there. And he's not that old. He's not that old. I know that running backs are old at 30, but wide receivers are not. And his quarterback has not been great this year, but he sure as hell has been. I've got DeAndre Hopkins coming in at seven.
0: He is the first player that did not make my top
1: twelve. Wow, see that. And I think since he's I will back, say this. Good.
0: Um uh, I have him ranked at number fifteen. And the only reason he didn't really kind of punch his way into that top twelve is there's some question marks around the coaching staff there. There's question marks around the quarterback there. And there's a question mark about what the split is going to be in workload there next season with Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, assumedly both being healthy. I'm, We've only seen that one time this year, and that was last week. I think they both had like three or four catches. Oh, That was two weeks ago. I'm sorry, three or four catches for both of them.
1: Well, let's see here. Um, since returning from injury – or I'm sorry, suspension. Did I say injury? Um, He's been the number four ranked (laughs) wide receiver in total points.
0: Oh, he's been an absolute beast there. But again, all but one of those games was without Marquise Brown.
1: And then the one that was with him, I'm guessing, is the week that he went for 13.6 points, something like that. So um, I think that there's enough to go around It's That's just me. Um, I've always been a big fan of his, and I think that we see people – discredit him just a little bit based on age and the fact that he missed half a year and they don't realize just how dominant he's been and hey then the next five weeks will show us what's up with him and marquise also a little bit
0: well and again we'll, we'll, that'll definitely shake itself out into going into next season and for what it's worth i actually have brown ranked 13th so i've got them both in that uh, high wide receiver two range
1: yep well, brown for what it's worth just missed my top 12. Okay, so now you've got, we've got your first seven, and you've got my seven. Who do you have at eight?
0: I've done seven so far, so let's roll. Number eight, I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb. Lamb seriously took the next step this season, proving that he could be an alpha wide receiver when the team was shorthanded to start the season. The continued growth of Michael Gallup along with his re-signing, as well as the growth of Dalton Schultz will keep defenses honest And, you know, he has a talented younger quarterback. I mean, we we don't talk about Dak as a young quarterback because there's been so many new quarterbacks come up in the last couple years. But he's still a very young quarterback by the the nature of the league. So you've got a good offense there. They play most of their games either indoors or in good weather cities. Uh, Give me lamb all day at at 8.
1: Well, we have our first match of this process. I have C D at 8 also. I almost had him at 7.00. Um, I didn't really consider him at 6, but I did almost have him at 7. I almost had him down as far as 10, but I wound up sitting him and seating him at number 8, especially if we get the C.D. Lamb that we saw last night.
0: Yeah, that was pretty spectacular.
1: And for what it's worth, people, we are recording. If you don't know, we're recording on Monday night. Tampa Bay is playing the Saints. Last I looked, it was 3-0 Tampa Bay. Um, So that's what I'm talking about when when I refer to C.D. last night. All right, so we both have him at eight. Um, I'm going to give my number nine since this person's already off your on your board already. Okay. Okay. At number nine, I have AJ Brown. And the main reason I have AJ Brown at nine, one, I still I wanted him inside my top ten. I felt that he's worthy of being in the top ten, absolutely worthy of being top five, quite honestly. But it is an it's a run heavy. I'm not going to say run first. It's a run heavy offense. And when you talk about, like, players disappearing at times, he does not have to be the focus of that offense. But, yes, he could score two TDs at any given second in the blink of an eye. That's why I pushed him down to number nine. Um, I'm just a little worried that the offense isn't going to cater to him the way Miami does and Buffalo does and Minnesota does and and L.A. does with their guys that are their number ones.
0: Okay, well, my number nine is a – wide receiver two on his own team. That's Jalen Waddle. I didn't think that Tua could support one wide receiver one, let alone two wide receiver ones. Well, much like my concern with Jalen Hurts, I was wrong here too. Uh, Waddle's yardage and TD numbers will never equal that of Hill, but he is a PPR beast that will never see a team's top cornerback, nor will he ever face double coverage. That alone is going to keep him in that the possession standpoint where he's going to be able to catch seven eight passes a week uh, going forward for the foreseeable future. There,
1: yeah, I for what it's worth, he's in my top twelve. Um, he's just not number nine. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that I thought or expected Tua to, to take two guys and be able to give them that much love, honestly. Um, I was worried that Tyreek Hill wasn't going to be a top-12 wide receiver going there. Sure didn't expect it to do well. I thought, they'd, I thought that they would cannibalize ourselves, basically, in a sense. Um, that didn't happen. Mike McDaniels seems to be one heck of a offensive mind and getting the most out of the situation he has there. So don't have a problem with it. Um, so at number 10, you haven't given your 10th yet, right? Um, I think
0: we might actually match a ten.
1: At 10, I have a guy that he could possibly have quarterback questions. Uh, that we don't know yet. Um, but I think in any stretch of the imagination, in the past year and three quarters, he's shown himself to not be a, a flash in the pan. He is the real deal. Amon Ross St. Brown.
0: We're going to match here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown, you got him at 10?
0: Yeah, the sun guy, definitely. We don't know for sure if Jared Goff will be the quarterback next season. I assume he's at least going to start the season as the quarterback, whether or not they use – Again, that uh, Rams pick that's going to be a very high pick to select one of the young stud, stud quarterbacks coming out of this draft. Uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt them to do that. And if they were to get that player and develop him under Goff for a season or two, that certainly isn't going to hurt Amon Ross stats. They have that guy as the backup in case Goff fails or yep. gets hurt. Uh, we Also, we, we don't know what effect Jamison Williams will have on him yet. True. Obviously, Williams is active for the first time this past week. Uh, what we do know is how effective St. Braun has been with questionable at best quarterback play and no supporting cast whatsoever the last year and a half. Yep. Uh, plus, he gets to face the crappy NFC North secondary six times per season.
1: Yeah, I almost pushed him up as high as like seven or eight, honestly. And the quarterback question coupled with the Jameson question is what made me decide to push him where I did
0: exactly but yes no he's he's a blooming superstar there
1: yep so at number 11 i'm going to mention because it's somebody you already have on the board and that's where i also double dipped on the miami receivers and i have Jalen waddle at number 11 when you had him at nine
0: i I have no problem with that call there at all
1: who do you have who do you have at 11
0: i'm gonna go with a uh, veteran here at 11 uh, and it wasn't DeAndre Hopkins. I, I did consider DeAndre Hopkins at 11 or 12, and like I said, he just slipped down into the for the 15 slot for me. Uh, but I'm going to go with another veteran, and that's Amari Cooper. Now, Cooper has always been kind of on that the border of being a wide receiver one during his time with Dallas, and now with his time uh, as short as it's been with Cleveland. Uh, and he's approached wide receiver one status this season, despite having Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback for every game up until this past week. Now, with an entire offseason where he's actually allowed to work out with Deshaun Watson, I expect Cooper to return to his bottom of the wide receiver one, top of the wide receiver two uh, territory going forward into the future.
1: That's a, that's a really, really good call, quite honestly. Um, probably didn't think about that enough, honestly, myself.
0: Um, he's always the guy that like everyone takes is, uh, if they're waiting at wide receiver one until as long as possible. You usually can get him in like round four or round five, and he always finishes at like either wide receiver twelve, wide receiver thirteen, or wide receiver fourteen. So
1: yeah, well, guess <laughs> what? I, I'm I'm shocked I missed this, but through the first twelve weeks, forgetting week thirteen that we just had, right? Yeah. Based on points per game average, he's actually third. He's actually number eight. Yeah, that's shocking. Um, Again, that was is.
0: with Jacoby Brissett.
1: Yeah, you know, I was saying if the quarterback position increases and improves like we think it should, then... And you know what? If you count this week, he's number 12. So, um, yeah. No, that's a good call right there, quite honestly. And he's a guy you're not going to have to take, I don't think, at that range. You're going to be able to be able to probably get him in that 15, 16 range, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who is your last pick? Come on. Let's match.
0: Well, I'm going to round out my... My number 12 pick here with my second number 2 wide receiver to make the top 12 and that's T Higgins. Guess what? He is We've got a third match.
1: We got a third match.
0: He proved this season that he can be the alpha if Chase does miss games. He also shown over the last two seasons that he can perform as a wide receiver 1 while still playing second fiddle to Chase. So, it doesn't matter if they're both on the field. Higgins has produced wide receiver 1 uh, borderline wide receiver one stats for his entire career?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I, the first thing I did was when I did this exercise, I grabbed number 11 and number 12 and put Waddle and T, 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that I liked both of those quarterback situations and offensive situations enough, I had to have them both in my top twelve and then I went through and I did the exercise and if I wanted to bump them up, I was going Mm -hmm. to bump them up. Like I said, could have made an argument to bump waddle up a little bit, maybe tee up a little bit here and there, but that's where I wound up going. And that's how I did it. Um, a couple guys that missed out for me, um, that I think has room to get into this range is Christian Kirk. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a guy who's just been super, super solid for his entire career. Um, But, again, not sure what the quarterback situation will will hold for him. Mike Evans. And then one last one was DK Metcalf.
0: Yeah, you you hit on a couple of the guys I certainly considered at the bottom of the barrel there. Ray mentioned Marquise Brown was my number 13. Yeah. And DeAndre at number 15. Uh, Other guys, like I said, with quarterback questions going into next season, Michael Pittman, uh, scary, Terry McLaurin, who's been consistent throughout his career, despite never having a decent quarterback to throw to him. Yeah. Uh, Deandre, as we mentioned, DK, uh, Mike Evans, again, having a down season, we probably won't see Tom Brady back next season. We, I guess I can't say that for certain because it's Tom Brady. You mentioned Christian Kirk, who I wanted to put up in my top 12. I kept trying to think about a way to sneak him in there and I just I couldn't do it. And another guy who I think can kind of push that number 12 spot, is Mike Williams, if he can finally put together a season where he doesn't get hurt and miss half the season.
1: You know what? So could Keenan Allen, if he could stay healthy, too. There are two other guys. And then what about a couple of the rookies? Um, Chris Olave.
0: Chris Olave? Garrett Wilson?
1: um, Garrett Wilson. um, London and Atlanta, if they do something. Um,
0: Again, we got quarterback question marks pretty much on all of those teams. But uh, again, Olave, he's already a legitimate wide receiver, too, I think. Uh, I believe Garrett Wilson has been a top, I think it's like 15 wide receiver over the last six weeks.
1: Yep. So, I mean, wide receiver is deep for next year.
0: Deep. It really is, and it's been it's been deep for the last couple of years. But this coming season, this exercise really highlights that, that you're you're going to get guys like Pittman and McLaurin and, and Cooper and Hopkins and those guys. You're going to get those guys in the fourth round of your draft.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be it's what's going to people are like, oh, cool, I can wait on wide. Res-. No, it's going to. So here's what happens too. I'm going to be all over the place here. It's going to give you one of two options, basically, right? You're going to go, wide receiver so deep, I'm going to nail running back in the first couple rounds because I know I can get two comparable wide receivers a little later. Or because wide receiver is so deep, then the top, the cream of the crop, really does kind of separate from the rest of them, makes themselves a little more valuable because of that. And maybe you say, I'm going to actually, because I'm near the mid end of my draft, I know I can get two of those top five or six guys. I'm going to do that and put myself in a weekly advantage week in and week out, and then I'll fill in with my running backs, you know, some guys that are going to catch the ball a lot and stuff like that in rounds three and four.
0: Well, and again, it might also—it's uh, kind of a teaser for next week when we cover our top tight ends for next season. Yeah, uh, it might be a reason to even more heavily uh, attack a guy like, say, a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews. Uh, Kelsey either at the end of the first round or Andrews maybe near the end of the second round because again as we've seen this season the tight end position was a barren wasteland of death and futility so having one of those guys that's reliable on a weekly basis is huge.
1: Well I'll I'll take my victory lap next week when we do tight ends when I see what happens so if I get a little what have you done for me lately help with one of my guys I'm talking about oh he's in a good spot he's only missed. Three of the last five weeks, and he's still a top twelve tight end, so I'm I'm in good shape.
0: Well, you know me; I like to I like to dig deep for tight ends on a week to week basis for daily fantasy, which we're going to segue to here shortly. So, here, uh, and and this week, if there was ever a week to dig deep, it's this week because it is a steaming pile of horse bleep well, <laughs> She's from at that position this week.
1: Here's just the, the last thing I'll say about tight ends before we talk about them next week, is. Everybody will easily remember how bad Cole Komet was to start this season.
0: Oh, he was uh, cuttable. People wanted to throw him off the top of buildings. (laughs) He,
1: He is currently the tight end eight. Oh, I believe it. Tight end eight. Let's see what happens if we do this. Zero, zero, six, four. So we're going to take the first four weeks out of his thing. Let's see what happens just out of curiosity. How far does he vaunt up the tight end ranks? Number three, Shock, <laughs> shockingly behind George Kittle. And Kittle has seemed so unplayable most weeks. Um, yeah, I
0: think that they're both getting a slight boost by the fact over that period that obviously we've lost a couple of weeks of Dallas Goddard and a couple of weeks of yeah. uh, oh, absolutely. of Mark Andrews during that period. But yes, no, I agree. Both of those guys are doing so much better. And in Komet's case, it's all on the back of Justin Fields figuring something out. And again, I, I think that there were some question marks early in the season if, if maybe the new coach was in over his head there, and uh, so, maybe not. So Mark,
1: <laughs> for what it's worth, Mark Andrews is fourth going from week five to now to 13, okay? That's nine weeks. There's a three-week period in there where Mark Andrews scored .4, 6.3, and nothing because he was out. So 6.7 points over a three-week period, which accounts for 33% of the games that we're looking at, and he's still number four in tight end. So, yes, Baron Wasteland is probably an understatement. Anyway, let's move on to our DFS segment. We'll have Harley's, and by the way, the um, we've went.
0: Overhit on both.
1: It No, it did not. You had Cooper in and I had, yeah, it did, didn't it? We hit on 11.
0: Yeah, but we, we, 11 11, we had 11 of 12 uh, matches and three in the spot.
1: There we go. How about that? All right. Well, Harley's going to set an over-under for us on our DFS segment. For those that don't know, we don't discuss any of this in advance. Go ahead. Hit us, Harley. Six. Six. I'm feeling frisky. I'm feeling frisky. Give me the over. All right, start us off. Who are you paying up for at the quarterback spot, which is a barren wasteland this week? I'm going to pay up for problem. a guy
0: that we've. Yeah, it's pretty bad, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm paying up for a guy that we've talked a lot about during this show, and that's Jalen Hurts at the Giants. You know, Hurts has been absolutely on fire of late, both with his feet and his arm. He can beat you either way, and uh, I, I don't particularly love any of the high price guys this week, so I figure he's probably the safest of all of them.
1: See, I did. I pulled a you. I that normally you, you just did what I would normally do. I don't like them, but I don't want to say that I'm going to go with somebody in the $6,000 range because that's not really paying up, right? Yeah, um, I agree with you. If I had stuck in those top three guys, four guys that were priced well above everybody else, Hertz would be my play. Um, not in love with it, it's on the road, but I think it's a solid, safe pay. No, I went down. I went, okay, don't really love Josh Allen's matchup. Don't like uh, Jalen Hurts. is okay. Don't love it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Denver. Um, everybody gets to Denver. stink when they play them. Joe Burrow. Uh, don't, not so sure. Cleveland's been pretty good against the past. Not the run so much. Dak Prescott. Uh, he's playing Houston. They're going to run the ball. Deshaun Watson. Come on. Can't trust him yet. Um, Geno Smith. That's a tough matchup against Carolina. I landed on Kirk Cousins against a fantastic matchup, but it feels like cheating to say I'm paying up for a guy that's 6,100, 7,500.
0: Well, 7,500 is the, uh, seventh highest price on Fanduel, So kind kind of, and and even on DraftKings, he's the eighth highest price. So it's, it's not a horrible payup.
1: Yeah. So that's where we're at. So, okay. First, and usually to hit the over on these things, we use, we usually have to nail quarterback. So we're already at a disadvantage here.
0: Who are you staying away well, from? I think we're going to talk a lot about that game because, uh, Well, the guy I'm going to stay away from, though, is Josh Allen versus the Jets. He's the highest-priced guy on both slates. Uh, Allen has only 11 total touchdowns over his last six games. Now, my elementary school math tells me that's under two per game over the last six weeks. He also has thrown for over 253 yards only one time during that span. This comes despite facing three of those horrible NFC North secondaries I recently talked about you know, maybe there is something to the injury. Uh, but you know what? The only thing that's really kind of saving his value, his value and viability is his rushing yards, which have been very good. But again, he's, he's not scoring enough touchdowns either on the ground or through the air to suggest that he's worth paying up for at that price, especially against a very good New, New York jet defense.
1: I will not disagree with you. I told you, I looked at everybody in the top and I was like, don't like it. Don't like it. eh, don't like it at all. Um, Josh is not who I put as my stay away, but I don't disagree. I'm not playing Josh Allen. Um, I went with somebody that I really thought we were going to match here. I went with Patrick Mahomes on the road in Denver. Um, Denver is not a good team, but you know what? Defensively, they're pretty strong, and nobody's given up fewer points to the quarterback position than the Denver Broncos. And I don't know what it is, but it seems like that stink – that Russell Wilson offensive stink rubs off on their their opponents, so. But the only reason I almost didn't say that is coming off that big loss to Cincinnati, they they may want to just show out. So maybe I'll be wrong for saying Pat Mahomes is my stay away.
0: No, I, I I'm I hate to say it. I'm not going to be excited to play Pat Mahomes either. But it is Patrick Mahomes, and he has been. Nothing but magical in his brief career here in the NFL, so it, it's hard to bench him, uh, particularly when you look. I said, so look at the just dearth of horror below him on the on the quarterback board this week. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, neither one of those two guys is going to be gracing a lot of my lineups.
1: Yep. All right. So who's going to be your value play? I think we could match here.
0: Well, I, I did just mention that I do like that game, Detroit Minnesota. Yep. Uh, My value play is going to be Jared Goff versus Minnesota. Minnesota has a soft secondary. They're finally starting to get healthy. They might get two of their cornerbacks who have been out back this week. But Goff is at home. He's coming off a huge win against Jacksonville, where he really played well. He gets one more week of practice with Jamison Williams, who I would be surprised if, like, let's say Detroit gets the ball to start the game. If I was them, I would have Williams run a, a deep pass route, on the very first play, and just Goff throw it up to him. see if they can do uh, kind of what Green Bay tried to do against Minnesota in their first meeting this year, which was uh, on the very first play, they set uh, uh, their rookie, uh, Christian Watson, deep. And he had a touchdown, but he dropped it. Uh, I'd love to see Detroit try that same play, uh, assuming they get the ball right away.
1: Yeah, uh, we match. I have Goff there, too. I mean, if you look at all the quarterback plays on the board, Goff is almost like chalky.
0: He very much is. I mean, the, the middle tier there. Uh, <laughs> do you trust Tyler Huntley? I mean, he didn't. No. Nope. I mean, he looked good, but he didn't look great. Uh, it's a good matchup, obviously, for Baltimore. Mike White, uh, Buffalo's secondary has been a little sketchy of late. Uh, you're not going to start Tom Brady against San Francisco. Uh, Trevor Lawrence versus Jackson uh, versus Tennessee might be decent. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins that might be your value play.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So, all right, so we got one out of three. It's ugly.
0: There. Good. So uh, Who are you paying up for at running back?
1: You know, I had a hard time at running back, too. Uh, just yep. these matchups scream, ouch, honestly. Yep. <laughs> um, so the first one, of course, matchup-wise on paper, you look at you, Kenneth Walker. However, it sounds like he's dealing with a sports hernia and is not going to be able to suit up, Right. Um, but that's probably the best yeah, matchup.
0: We, we don't know for certain yet, but yes, it's, it's odds are he's not going to.
1: That's probably the best matchup in the top 10. 6, 7, 8, whatever you want to say. Um I then moved to
0: Well, Mixon if he plays. Yes, but As a good matchup against Cleveland, but again, we don't know if he's going to play.
1: Right, and I'm not I'm not going to risk that not tonight, not in saying that. Um no, he's a no-brainer if he's going to play because you see what Smart piran pirine has been doing. Um Piran. Pirine. So then I went to Tony Pollard. That's a juicy matchup. And then I went, yeah, but uh, Zeke Pollard? Who are they going to give it to? Right? Um, Mm -hmm. And and in a more traditional sense, it really should be Zeke because of the run defense. Pollard's a little more involved in in both pass and run. So I was like, I'm going to take a guy that I think I probably shouldn't take. He doesn't have a good good matchup on paper. Um, And you're probably thinking, I'm going to say, Sa- Saquon Barkley because Philly's been hit hard by the running back of late, right? Up until this week when they held Derrick Henry in check, and they got their rookie DT back, so it's not the it's not Saquon Barkley. <laughs> Jordan Davis, um, manchild. Um, it is Nick Chubb, and I will be calling. I believe for the Browns to upset Cincinnati in Cincinnati after they just beat the Chiefs by three. How's that?
0: Interesting. Um, well, again, yeah, you talked. we talked about all the high price guys there. Uh, I mean, Derrick Henry's matchup on paper looks pretty darn good against Jacksonville, but Henry's had a couple of bad games in a row. Yeah, he's not been so, good. Lately. I, I think that Henry's going to be okay, but again, I'm not certainly not paying. He's got the highest price on FanDuel yep. among running backs. I'm not, I'm not paying that for him there, uh, coming off two stinkers. Adele and Cook's got a decent matchup on paper, but... Uh, it, it's really annoying to see the lack of usage he's gotten over the last couple of weeks, including seeding entire drives to Alexander Madison, which is just absurd. I mean, Madison is good, but Madison isn't going to be on this team next year. Delvin Cook is going to be. so
1: Right. Well, they're saving.
0: Uh, And we kind of went down the same list and the same arguments. And I actually settled on Pollard. I think that both Pollard and Zeke will have huge games. And uh, I, obviously, I think this past week that Pollard kind of said that, you know what, I, I know it's Zeke, but this is my show now. I'm the number one, and the the way that uh, the crowd was like just chanting and 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 praying that Zeke could get in there for one chance of a touchdown at the end. That that says all you need to know about what the fans like. They, they're like they like Zeke, but they know Pollard's the number one.
1: <laughs> the the funny thing is, what the way I described what you did a quarterback versus what I did. I think that's yeah. why I went back up to Chubb because I'd already done that—that that like depressed pay-up value at quarterback and felt guilty about it, because mm-hmm. Pollard's still highlighted on my screen from where I, I had clicked on his name. Believe it or not. So yeah, I just don't like any of the pay-ups, quite honestly. Very for the higher-priced guys, both at quarterback or running back this 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 week.
0: Yep. Well, as for my stay away, this uh, you talked about him. Uh, I think we might actually match on this one. So I'm not sure. Uh, I went with Saquon versus Philly. Uh, Barkley has scored in two of his last three games, but if you look at the rest of his stat line, it, it's been really kind of mediocre, if not borderline pathetic. Now he's going to face a Philadelphia defense that got Jordan Davis back, that also added Linval Joseph and Damakansu in the middle. I mean, that's not very good. I mean, I think with Barkley, you're hoping for maybe five catches and 40 yards through the air, and then maybe. 30 or 40 yards on the ground here?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's not my stay away. We don't match. Um, Only because the other guy that I'm staying away from, I think, has a worse matchup. And I'm sorry, but it's just not pretty to me. It's not pretty to me. Um, (laughs) Christian McCaffrey at home versus Tampa Bay. Normal scenario is going to make me... And look twice and probably pass. Right? I mean, yeah. Tampa Bay is like thirtieth against the run for for running backs and fantasy points allowed. Add in Brock Purdy and a week for Tampa Bay to get ready for that, even if it's a short week like it's going to be. I just can't get on board with eighty five,
0: eighty five. I agree. The price is a little high. The perhaps the only saving grace for McCaffrey is that. With Purdy at the helm, he's going to catch a lot of swing passes and a lot of dump-offs. If,
1: if he can get out into the passes because they're, you know, he doesn't have to stay <laughs> in to protect them.
0: Yeah, but again, it, that's the nice thing about McCaffrey is that uh, the one thing that Tampa is very, very bad at is covering pass-catching backs. <laughs> True. They're, they're very, very good against the run. And they started the season actually kind of mediocre against the run, but they've gotten healthy. And now they're very, very good. I think Vita Vea was out for a few few weeks early on, if I remember right. Yes. Uh, and yeah, the run defense. I, I, I'm not counting on McCaffrey for running more than like forty, forty-five yards here, but I'll take eight receptions for sixty yards in the passing game.
1: Uh, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> but yeah, so we didn't match there.
0: But again, no, I, I don't want. i want to pay eighty-five hundred for him. That's that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Exactly. All right, who is your value play? I think we can. value play is always hard at, at tight at wide receiver and, and running back. I think we're going to match on our value play here.
0: Well, you know what? Our value play is someone that we're both going to be starting in our Scott Fishbowl lineups this coming week. Amen. And that is Deonta Foreman at Seattle. You know, Seattle is near the bottom of the league against the run. Currently, I believe they ranked 30th coming into this week, and they had another horrible performance this past week. They just allowed the shell of Cam Akers to score twice,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly i had to look at it twice because I was like, I, Is he priced right? Like, why is he? And I was like, Well, he's a little higher, FanDuel, um, but he had $5,400 on DraftKings, just seemed way too depressed. Um, I thought he should have been in the low six, six thousands at least. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we matched there, um, and yes. I'm probably starting him over James Conner. And then it depends on if I want to start James Conner over Miles Sanders or not. So we'll have to figure that out. But Deontay's going to definitely be in my lineup. All right, let's run on over to wide receiver, um, which, of course, we gave our top 12 on earlier for next year. Who are you paying up for at the wide receiver spot?
0: I'm going to pay up for one of the three players that we matched on in position, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown versus Minnesota. In their last seven games, Minnesota has seeded more than 17 point-per-reception points to 10 different wide receivers.
1: (sighs) I so looked at Amon Ross St. Brown, but he's $7,800. And I was like, I can't do that again. So I'm at the top. Um, Justin Jefferson was my number one wide receiver for next year in my two early rankings. And Justin Jefferson was my number one Scott Fishbowl pick. And guess what? Justin Jefferson is my pay-up this week against a Detroit team that has just not been good overall against fantasy wide receivers this year.
0: You're not going to like my stay-away, then, because my stay-away is Justin Jefferson at Detroit.
1: we're really screwing people up now (laughs) when we do
0: that. Uh, He is the highest-priced guy on both both boards. Uh, Jefferson has faced Detroit five times in his brief career, and he's gone off in three of those games. In those other two games... His lines were three catches for 14 yards and three catches for 64 yards. The difference between those two games and the three games where he absolutely went ham, in those two games, he was shadowed by Jeff Okuda, who is indeed healthy for this coming game. And unlike last week when he wasn't shadowed by Sauce Gardner the entire game, he has been shadowed by Okuda in those games, and he will be shadowed by Okuda once again here. So, I do not like Jefferson as the top price guy this week.
1: What I like about him this week, and I agree with you on that, um, I just think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I don't see this. Oh, it will be. It will be a high scoring game. And and look, seven for 45 for one is a great weekend for a lot of wide receivers. It's not a great weekend for a Justin Jefferson type. And just in the ebb and flow of things, I think we see him bounce back from that. And I think that we do see him hit triple digits. Maybe it's on five or six catches instead of eight or nine. Um, but I definitely think he does that and he hits Pater. So I'm going to pay up for him. And I don't think a lot of people will. So I think he gives you an advantage if he does hit. Yes. Disadvantage if he doesn't. That's a whole other point.
0: Also, our, our value play this week. Uh, well, who's your stay away, I guess? I, think, I didn't get that.
1: Uh, my stay away, unfortunately, is, believe it or not, A.J. Brown. Um, it's just, yeah, he's coming off of a big game. I think this could be a lower-scoring game this week in New York. Um, not sure what the weather's going to be, but at a minimum, it's never beautiful in New York. Um, it's usually windy or it's cold or it's something. Um,
0: Wasn't well, the game technically in Jersey? Yeah, it is since Secaucus caucus,
1: technically. <laughs> um, armpit.
0: And nothing's beautiful in Jersey. Oh, no, that's. I'm, not, I'm sorry to our Jersey listeners. <laughs> not,
1: that's not true. Hey, I'm a Jerseyite. I'm born and raised in South Jersey. But when you, yeah. if you want to change, change that to say in North Jersey, then. I'll sign. Yes,
0: off. yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> I'll
1: sign off on that in a heartbeat. Um, no, it's just I looked at them I, I just it's I don't like the I don't like the matchup. Um, I don't know why, one hundred percent, but it just price ebb and flow. The Giants like,
0: have actually been a decent defense against the past yes. year. I think they're like going into this week they're like eighth ranked.
1: Yeah, they were pretty high. Um, I didn't write down exactly what number they were, but I just. Coming in and looking at him as the third highest priced wide receiver, I just didn't like it.
0: Yeah, again, I, I think you're right. I think that game might be lower scoring. Uh, I mean, it's possible. We, I mean, again, I hate to imagine this from a tiebreaker standpoint, but what if those two teams tie again this week after the tie between New York and Washington
1: last week? I'll go out on the limb and say that's not happening.
0: I wonder what the, what the parlay would be on that if someone had played the Giants to be in back-to-back tie games. And they put the money down last week.
1: Well, I don't know, but I am they they crapped that game away last week. They should have absolutely beat Washington.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, who's your value play?
1: Who'd you say you're staying away? You say you're staying away from JJ. That's right. And you're paying up for I- I'm staying away from JJ, yep. So I'm in a game that we're already in um, a couple times today. My value play is DJ Chark.
0: Chark looked pretty good last week, but again, it was a revenge game. So was.
1: don't know how much of that came into play. (laughs) And he's got a decent matchup. The Vikings have given up the fourth most points to fantasy wide receivers. Um, I know that you're on Amon Ross St. Brown, so I know you're not going to have Chark as your value play, but you can understand why, since I didn't pay up for Brown, why I want to get a piece of that offense this weekend.
0: I said the the only uh, discerning factor maybe against him there is that the Vikings do hope to get two of their uh, top Hope. three cornerbacks back this week. but uh, <laughs>
1: Hope. Hey, one thing I did notice, I don't know if you noticed this, the Vikings, what is what is their their record? Um, Ten and two. Ten and two. They are one-point dogs going into Detroit this week. Well, and if
0: you look back a couple of weeks, they were actually three-point home dogs against Dallas coming off their victory against Buffalo, in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, that's kind of crazy, but, you know, those odds makers... Um,
0: but also going into this last week, uh, I haven't done the math yet to find out from this past week's score, which was fairly close, but I believe Minnesota had a negative point differential on this season at nine, when they were nine and two going into this week.
1: Well, that, that whooping they got from Dallas will help do that to you. Um,
0: and between that and the uh, Philadelphia, mayhem was <laughs>
1: yeah so I mean, but yeah, I was shocked when I saw the line set at Detroit minus one, so
0: um, and most home teams get an automatic three points or whatever at home as part of their line. So yeah. uh, anytime you see anything in that in that zero to three range uh, for the home team, that means kind of a push based on who they think is going to win.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, when I see anything that's one, two, even three points, to me, that's a pickle. When you're bringing it down to a yeah. field goal, that's a pickle. Um, Minnesota. I, I do
0: like Shark this week, though.
1: Minnesota at 10-2 and two shouldn't be a pickle with a team like Detroit, but Detroit's played really well this year. Their record does not reflect how well they've played.
0: So here's the interesting thing. I, I mentioned the fact that DJ Chark had a great game last week in a revenge game narrative. Well, my value play last week was also a revenge play narrative in that same game. The problem was my guy, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, he didn't get targeted until the second half of the game. In fact, the Joneses as a group didn't keep up with the Lions last week at all as Marvin and Zay and fifth string wide receiver Tim Jones. (laughs) Tim Jones can't be a real name, can it? He's their fifth string wide receiver behind Jamal Agnew. Uh, Those three Joneses uh, were just completely ignored for the entire first half of Jacksonville's game. Now, Zay did end up being tied for second on the team in targets by the end of the game. But his poor final line is going to keep him with minimal ownership this week. So that's why I'm dialing up Zay Jones this week against a Tennessee team that has now given up, after this past week, 23 double-digit PPR receivers this season.
1: Uh, you know I've been a big fan of Zay Jones all season long, quite honestly. So um shocked that I actually didn't go that route. But, yeah, I like Zay Jones as a play.
0: Yep. All right. And again, people, people are going to be off him after the— yeah. When they, when they look at the line that says two catches for thirteen yards, but if you don't look at that seven targets and the fact that literally six of those seven targets were in the second half, which again, no excuse, no excuse whatsoever there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was second on the team in targets to Evan Ingram, who it had is, he seven. Was tied with Ingram, with yeah. Seven, yep. And then yeah, Kirk who had eight. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's where you got to look into the past, past the final numbers, into the numbers a little bit more. So. Well, let's run on over to the tight end position, Mr. Tight End Whisperer. Um,
0: yes, and it, it's a, the whisper is a scream. It's more a scream than a whisper. <laughs>
1: yeah. Who is, who is it you're going to pay up for at the tight end spot?
0: Uh, we've talked a lot about this game. I'm going to stay in the game. Detroit, Minnesota, TJ Hawkinson. He gets the revenge game against the Detroit team that's handing out receptions and touchdowns to the position like Halloween candy this season.
1: We have another match. Um, we're not going to hit the over unless we, no, nope, we're still not going to hit the on, over. Um, huh. yep. That's the first thing I wrote. Hawk revenge. That's what I wrote. Um,
0: the, there's no way that Minnesota is not going to get him a touchdown in this game.
1: I would agree. Yeah, he's an easy play for me. He'll probably be chalk on everybody, but and he's even his price is even depressed. I mean, you get him for twenty five hundred bucks, bucks less than Kelsey, and twenty five hundred no fifteen hundred. I can't do math. And fifteen hundred less on Fanduel. So yeah, he's a good value.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the reason why I'm technically staying away from Travis Kelsey at Denver. Uh, the four tight ends that are uh, on a level not far from Kelsey's. No one's on Kelsey's level, but the four Titans close enough to Kelsey's rarefied air this season, Gerald Everett, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. Well, that foursome against Denver finished with a total of 16 catches for 134 yards. That's an average of four catches and 33 yards. Uh, Kelsey's going to do more than that. Kelsey's going to probably finish with a decent line. He's probably going to score after not scoring his past week. But this isn't the ceiling game for Kelsey. This is going to be a game where you're happy with six sixty and one.
1: Yeah, and you might wind up with four forty five and one. Honestly. Yeah. Um, he's my stay away, also. And then I threw in a another. Just hey, here's an early Christmas gift for you. Stay away from Mark Andrews, also. Yeah. Just, it's not worth it. Not at that price. Too many question marks. All right, so we got another match there on the stay away. I think the value play is going to be tough. It is tough. Yeah,
0: there there was no one I wanted to make my value play this week. I uh, looked <laughs> at the bottom, and it's like, I mean, maybe if David Njoku is out again, I'd take another chance on Harrison Bryant, who yeah. really wasn't involved as much as I thought he would be involved. Uh, Cincinnati, they're going to be without Hayden Hurst, it sounds like, which means that they're going to have to uh, play uh, Mitchell Wilcox, who I just I don't think he's going to be involved a ton in the offense. Mine, Will Disley at home versus Carolina. Uh, ultimately, though, I just decided, you know what? None of these guys is really a value enough for me to want to play them. So I looked up the list a little bit higher, and I settled on the fourth highest priced guy, Pat Friermuth. He's 4500 on DraftKings, and uh, he's 5800 on FanDuel, which is not really a value, I guess. But uh, uh, considering the price of the top three guys, he's a value compared to them. Uh, seven of the 12 tight end ones to face Baltimore this season have reached double-digit PPR points. And Pat, for his behalf, he's got 50 receiving yards in four of his last six games. So double digits, I think, is pretty much a safe bet for Frymouth, and uh, I think he's going to score a touchdown, which should be a fairly low-scoring game.
1: So I actually thought you were, when you said I'm going to go up the list, Um, I thought you were going to stop at Greg Dolchich, who, which is who I considered. Um, I,
0: I did consider Dolchich too, but I just— I really don't want to trust anyone in that Denver offense uh, right now. It's well, just it's such a, a ham show there. It's it's awful. <laughs>
1: understandable. I also stopped and took a glimpse at Evan Ingram. Also, um, yes. At the end of the day, I said, like, you know what? If I'm going to go cheap, I'm going to go cheap. Um, I went with a guy who's got his last chance to make hay. He's got a decent matchup. The team he's facing is just outside the top five and points allowed to the tight end position and fantasy points. I went with Jack stole. There is nothing flashy about Jack Stoll. He was mm-hmm. three for 41 this past week. You'll be happy to get three for 41 from him again this week, quite honestly. Um, yeah, I absolutely despised the tight end value plays this week.
0: It, it's really ugly. I mean, we, I talked earlier, Austin Hooper, maybe at home versus Jacksonville, but they're splitting up the tight end work again with, uh, with the backups there, like uh, Chigun Uh Jordan Akins, actually, he's been very involved for Houston the last couple of weeks uh, with the injury to Brandon Cooks and with the backup quarterback, Kyle Allen, and he's been targeting him. He's a guy you might consider. Uh, for some reason or other, I don't understand. Uh, since Mike White has been in there at quarterback, C.G. Uzoma has stopped blocking and started running routes, and Tyler Conklin hasn't been as involved as I'd like to. So, Uzoma might be a dart throw. And and keep an eye on uh, the Giants Philadelphia game. You mentioned Stoll there, but we may also see the return of Daniel Bellinger this week. Yeah, and I again, there. the one weak spot in the passing defense for Philadelphia is the middle of the field. So maybe Bellinger could have some value.
1: That said, Nakobe Dean came in last week after an injury to Kaiser White and did really well. Um, Philadelphia, believe it or not, I was shocked when I looked at this when I looked at Bellinger. Philadelphia's 26th in points allowed to the tight end position this year. Mm
0: hmm. So. I think that's because at the start of the season, no one wanted to throw outside against them.
1: It, yeah. That's, that's good possibility. Well, actually, let's see. We're, we're way over. We're, 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 this is a way long show. I haven't even looked at the time and I know <laughs> we're well past an hour. So let's just take a look real quick. Um, that does that. And let's go here.
0: Let's see. Or maybe we can, I'll just hope and pray that David Njoku plays and he can be your value play.
1: Yeah. Cause I want David Njoku to play and I want him in my lineup for Scott Fishbowl. That's for Dagon on Um, Irv Smith Jr. had a very nice week against the Eagles in Week 2. Zach Ertz had a nice revenge game. Jake Ferguson did when, what's his name, was out.
0: Dalton Schultz was out, yep.
1: And that's really about it of guys that have cracked double digits. So, yeah, I mean, feast or famine. It is what it is. Um, Speaking of feast or famine, there's no need to famine for fantasy content. You can reach out to Harley for questions and answers at Nuclear Harley. You can do the same with me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, you can subscribe to The Huddle if you're not already doing that. Give yourself an early Christmas gift. And then, you know, as always, I'd like to say, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers.